Are you ready for it? Yeah. A clam jam. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. A clam jam. No. everyone and welcome back to Romance and the Monsters. This week... <laughs> what? That was like a really weird long break. Because <laughs> for, like, for a moment I was like, what's our podcast again? <laughs> what book are we doing? Yeah. Wait, what book are we... Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hold on a minute. <laughs> Um, hello everyone and welcome back to Romance and the Monsters. I'm M. I'm Seth. <laughs> I almost said I'm S for <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> uh, this week we are reading um, Heart of Iron by Beck McMaster, which is the second book in the London Steampunk series. Is that what it's called? Yeah. London yes. Steampunk series. Um by Beck McMaster. I don't know if you said that. I did. I did say that. Oh, well, I mean, I guess. Uh, we just take a sip. This is this is gonna fail <laughs> from the start. <laughs> um. All right. Well, what did, what's this book about? Let's let's start there. All right. So we start off um, three years after the events of book one. Um. So we have an older Lena, an older Will. Um, and even an older Charlie. It's, um, Charlie is Honoria Almost a teen. and Lena's like he's brother. He's 16, right? 16 or he's 17? He's 17. 17. 17. Yeah, okay. he's 17. So he's like fully getting used to like being um, a blue blood. Um, but anyways, we start off um, three years after book one and we see Blade right off the bat gets attacked. And this is when we actually get to fully see the effects of Honoria's blood because we know her blood is slowly curing him of the craving disease. Um, so he's slower. He is quick to, you know, get injured and not heal as quickly. Um, anyways, so he gets attacked um, because there's this group of human revolutionaries, I guess you can say, um, that destroyed the draining facility. <laughs> Why did I pronounce the T? Because <laughs> we're in England, baby. <laughs> true, true. I should try doing this in a British accent. That would be an... Uh, Oh, I'm down. A riot. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Anyways, um, so what happens is Blade, uh, you know, needs the blood. So he takes Will's blood. And then we get to, again, experience that whole feeding. I'm sucking at this explanation. But anyways, things happen and we find out that Will no longer lives in the house that Blade and Honoria and even you know, Rip and everyone else lives in. He's actually moved out and lived on his own because of, you know, I guess comments he overheard between Blade and Honoria about 
him and Lena not possibly being able to work out. Because as we know from book one, Will and Lena had some sort of flirtation going on. But then as you realize in this book, it was something a little bit deeper. Would you call it flirtation though? She was kind of I mean, teasing him and he wasn't here for it because he kind of thought she was messing with him, which she was. She was. Yeah. So I don't know that I'd say flirtations, but, you know, definitely some teasing. I think it more, like, came from, obviously, like, we know later on that Lena liked him from the beginning. Lena oh, yeah. Lena. No, yeah. But from his perspective, it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't flirtations from his perspective. But he, but he also liked her, not liked her, but. He did, but he didn't think that she did. So he thought yeah. she was just playing him. Okay, fine. We'll call it teasing. <laughs> Semantics. Words are important. <laughs> Word police over here, Marge. <laughs> Absolutely. As if I use words the right way. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Anyways, so we find out that Lena has also moved out um, because of her advances getting rejected by Will. She tried to kiss him and he like legit just pushed her off because he just was not... He was not ready. And also, you find out later on, it's because, like, he was afraid of his Lupe... Loop? Loop virus. Yeah, loop. Well, there you go. Loop virus. Well, I, <laughs> I don't know why I'm struggling. I assume it's loop because it sounds like loo, which is French for, yeah, French. Wolf. So I'm just imagining yeah. it's that with an E at the end. <laughs> I don't know. I'm hoping. I mean, like, I don't know. I thought it was Lupe. For some reason, I was like, you know what? What in case... Well, Lupe sounds a little e. Spanish, so we can we can go with that too. Lupe or Lupe, yeah. whatever fits your mood. <laughs> you do you, boo. <laughs> These are not real words, so we're allowed to mispronounce them and misuse them. <laughs> yes. Um, so she decides to move out of the house as well because she was also living in the whole, I guess, Blades house um, in Whitechapel. Um, so she decides, decides to move out and live with Leo, who we also know as her secret half-brother. Um, and she wants to be a part of the echelon again, which is, you know, the London vamp, I guess, blue blood ton. Um, because she feels like that's where her happiness lies. And she wants to, you know, find a good blue blood to contract with to be his thrall. Because I guess that's what the women of the society strive for. I guess the human women of the society strive for. Um, but then we find out that the echelon wants to form a treaty with the, the how do you say it? Verwolfen? I say Verwolfen. <laughs> Why are we mispronouncing everything today? <laughs> you know what? Verwolfen. I don't know. Let's just yeah. say it with confidence and act like that's how it's said. Verwolfen. Okay. With the Verwolfen <laughs> of Scandinavia. Um, so basically, this is when you actually get to experience, you know, um, other, you know, Verwolfen. The world is expanding um, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, the world is expanding and you get to see um, Will species in another country and like the way they're regarded, obviously. And we know in London that they're regarded as slaves, as lesser beings or like literally the scum of the earth in London. And then you see in Scandinavia, that's actually not the case in their country. Um, so, yeah, anyways, he is supposed to be the in between the, I guess, mascot of sorts of the echelon. Um to help this treaty go smoothly. So he needs training. And he also knows that Lena is up to something. She's got like hidden notes and like different ciphers and all of, all of this going on. And he knows that there's more to her than obviously what's going on. Um, 
And so he decides to get Leo to make Lena his tutor in all things Echelon. Um, and that starts back their relationship going forward. And yeah, I just feel, what else should I say about it? I think that's a good quick summary of what it's about. <laughs> all right. We'll go into the spoilers later on. Yeah, we can go into it later on for sure. Okay. What did you think of this book? This is not one of these books where I'm going to be heartbroken. I liked this book a lot. I liked it more than the first one, but that's, you know, personal opinions. Surprise, surprise, I actually prefer the werewolves in this book, in this series, than the vampires. But, uh, so I don't know how you feel about it. We haven't said anything. You haven't mentioned it, so I'm Because I literally just finished it, like, <laughs> last, this morning at, like, 5 a.m. Wow. <laughs> okay. I... I think the beginning was very slow. It was. I agree with like, that. Like, it took me, yeah, it took me a while to get into it. But once I finally got into it, I really loved, I loved this book. I loved the story. I loved the characters. I liked it a lot more than the first one. I agree with that. And I do like the Verwolfen more than the Blue Bloods. I mean, there's just something about them. I really hope, I would love for her to do like a spin-off series about them, especially the Scan Scandinavians one. Yeah. Like imagine, like the setting would be amazing. I think that whole virus is really interesting with the mates mm -hmm. and anyways, I just, I would love for her to do that, but I don't think she will. <laughs> for me, I think they sound more like sexy. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, in the sense where, like, I feel like the vampire virus, the craving virus, is literally, you're, wait, you're, you're waiting to die, basically. <laughs> you're, you're decaying. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Whereas the loop virus is literally just, you know, they become, I don't even know what's, what's the end result. horny and that's <laughs> you gotta pretty much it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't, like, there's, it doesn't say that at some point they become, like, a monster yeah. figure or whatnot. It seems to me like they just stay that way their whole lives, which, exactly. I'm here for that. I'm here for that. Me too. I want myself a Will Carver. Like, he, uh, ladies, <laughs> he was Will Carver. <laughs> Let's take a moment and appreciate all that Will Carver was. Oh, God. He is the perfect hero who is so jaded and so, yes. like, hates women. Tortured. But he hates them for a reason. He's been tortured. He was sold by his mom into yes. pretty much slavery. Um, so you understand him, but, like, he's so closed off. And then he slowly opens up and he just scared. He cares so much about her. And it's just, it's the perfect hero where by the end, he's so sweet. Like, there is such a sweet man hiding under all that prejudice and self-loathing. <laughs> and grouchiness. Uh, yeah, like, he's uh, very growly. Uh, we love a growly hero. Yeah. And he's very growly. I, I, I really, really enjoyed this book. And I wasn't really expecting to because like you, I'm not really a werewolf type of girl. But Cressy Cole's werewolves, I'm a fan of. And I'm usually not a fan of other werewolves because I feel like Jacob Black kind of ruined that for me. Um, <laughs> 12 years later, and we're still saying, fuck Jacob. <laughs> fuck that guy. Good thing S isn't here. She'll be like, excuse me. <laughs> but yeah, I enjoyed this one a lot. Um, I thought the beginning was slow too. And then there is a part... I think it was like between, say, 60 and 70% of the book 
like that middle part I thought was like kind of slow but then that's when the change happened yeah and I was like yeah okay you got my attention now (laughs) because I was really gonna say like I feel like there's a little bit of a lull in the story at that point but then she brings that into it and I'm like oh okay okay I'm here for this yes I'm so here for this and then the ending was great yeah. So spoiler, um, yes. we find out Lena goes through the change and becomes a Verwolfin as well. But that was because her and Will got hot and heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they couldn't keep their hands off of each other and she couldn't keep her mouth off of him. And our boy had a cut on his lip. And apparently you can get the virus like any other virus through blood. Again, the plague, March. I know. I know. The plague is a plague for us. <laughs> Don't leave us alone. <laughs> I mean, I guess it, well, I guess it is a plague because I think they said uh, how many out of, like, it was like three out of 15 warriors or something make it through the change. Oh, yeah. I forgot what. dies. Yeah. I was honestly like, oh, my gosh, this girl's got it. But anyway, so she licked his lip and she ingested some of his blood. And as soon as that happened, because like, Beck McMaster mentioned it numerous times in that one scene that she's tasting his blood. And I was like, girl, she's becoming a werewolf. I did not even notice that. At really? All. At all. It came as a total surprise to me. I wasn't expecting it at all. Like, really? I was, yeah. But, you know, I'm not the best reader, honestly. Sometimes Shut I up. completely yes, overlook really important details. <laughs> But yeah, no, because that was one of my questions for you. I was like, did you see it coming? But now that you say that the blood was mentioned over and over again, I really didn't notice that. So I guess you did know. <laughs> yeah, I noticed it. And I also like from the beginning when Will, ca- well, well, when Will <laughs> kept talking about like how he wants to be with Lena, but he knows it can never happen because of who he is and like yeah. literally his biological makeup. Just he cannot be with Lena. And I was like, so then how are they going to be together? The only way she- they could be together is if she becomes like him so I was like I was just waiting for that to happen and then it finally happened and I was like yep called it but I I like how she did it in the sense where we got to see Will's perspective through it because overall he's been a very cold being like we know that he desires Lena but he's not letting himself fully feel what he feels for her and like in that moment when he experiences what she's going through and like seeing her and hearing her screams and also you know the hopelessness of her probably not making through like making through making it through Making it through (laughs) (laughs) the change, um, I felt like, yeah, that was a really good, good scene. I loved being able to be in his head. What's that trope where it's like you have feelings for someone, but they don't, but you, but they actually do, but you don't know that they do? Unrequited? It kind of was that, you know, because I think that most of the time in unrequited love, it's not so much that the other person doesn't love them. It's just that they haven't said it like said that they have feelings or is that mutual pining would that be mutual pining yes this case would be mutual pining I think okay because they both like we knew Lena wanted him from the beginning and she was willing to give up everything um just for even like an ounce of what you know they could possibly have and Will we find out pretty early on as well that he does desire Lena but he can't let himself love her because of what's going on inside him and obviously with society because we know society is a I guess I don't want to get into it now but it's a big monster for everyone well yeah it's just as much a monster in this one as it was in the first one for sure um can we talk about okay let's start with 
something that we mentioned in the Kiss of Steel episode that I wanted mm -hmm. to talk about in this one. I'm sure. interested to see what you think of... I thought it was really interesting how Blade is becoming weaker and weaker because he's only taken in uh, Honor's blood and how he mm -hmm. won't say it to her, but he starts ingesting, you know, other blood that's not hers, that hasn't been vaccinated, so that he won't become fully, like, pretty much human and weak. I just thought that was so freaking interesting how... Even him, he's really old, holding on to, like, his pride because he's like, I'm not going to go back to being human. Like, I actually, there are perks to being how I am. And especially with ruling over Whitechapel, like, I can't be weak. Like, I mm -hmm. thought that was so interesting. What did you No, think? it was. It was interesting. And for me, like, I think it brings it all back to, like, the idea that blue bloods and the echelon don't regard humans as actual like people they don't regard them as anything more than just food and I think obviously like you said Blade fears the whole idea if the echelon knows that he's you know becoming weaker he'll lose his standing they'll come for him and obviously kill him um so yeah there are the perks of strength and obviously the quickness and healing and things like that but it's also he doesn't want to be regarded as nothing and after everything he's built in Whitechapel, I mean, like, I think it's hard for him to give up something like that. But also just to keep his family safe, because as soon as, you know, they find out that he's becoming weaker and becoming more human, I think, like, obviously his family's in danger. Yes. And I also think that, you know, so many times in paranormal romance, you have this hero that's, I don't know, like a demon or whatnot. And the heroine is not and and they say something like I wish I wasn't this you know like I wish I was still yeah. human or whatnot yeah think of Sebastian for example Sebastian uh I was gonna say Sebastian St. Vincent <laughs> <laughs> Sebastian Roth from the Immortals After Dark series he didn't want to be a vampire and if he had been given the choice he wouldn't be you know and so yeah. I think it's interesting how, and oftentimes it's like, oh, I wouldn't be because I'd be with you. You know, like it's mm -hmm. even, even Will in this book to some extent is like, I wish I wasn't this because I could be with you. But now because I'm this, we can't have this relationship. Yeah. Um, but Blade is kind of, the, kind of the opposite where you sense a certain selfishness still that I actually like and appreciate because it shows that he's really like a flawed character. He's not perfect. He's very human. Yeah, about human in weird ways because he's like actually I don't want to give this up for you <laughs> like mm -hmm. actually I think I prefer myself this way I don't want to die and become a zombie and have you you know need to kill me because I'm dangerous but I also don't want to go back to being weak I've I I think he's he feels protected and safe in being a blue blood for me how I viewed his um desire to stay a blue blood was that um, he said it himself, like, three years ago, he would have, like, died for the opportunity to become human again. Like, he wanted to be human. But then as soon as, like, now he has something to fight for, something to protect, and that's, like, Honoria and the life he built with her. And I think it's, like, that fear of not being able to protect his new life is what is pushing him to also, you know, ingest more blood that isn't vaccinated. Because he wants to stay strong to protect everything he's built. Not only just Honoria, but also Charlie and Lena and Will and Rip and his whole family that he's built for himself. I think he wants to fight for that. Sure. But I also think there's a part of selfishness in that. 
Mm, or just mm-hmm. him not wanting to let go of that power, you know, because he yeah. could just let Whitechapel go, you know, like there's he could, but he doesn't want to because he does actually enjoy that power, you know, True. in part because he cares about these people, but also in part because I think he likes the power. I think all the men in these books, th- these two books that we've read have really struggled to let go of of their status you know I think it's a it's a struggle between the two of them I think it's a balance actually between both you know both sides but yeah no I really I thought that was really intriguing and obviously when Honoria found out that um you know he was actually ingesting blood that wasn't hers um like she was really torn up about it I think it's because like secrets were coming out at that time and like you know we also find out they're pregnant what do you think of Blade as a dad? I was like, I can't imagine it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to read it. I No, I can't imagine it either. And, like, the look of horror and, like, he had to take a moment to, like, sit down. I was I like, oh, this I think his face boy. goes white, whiter than it already is or something like that. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, oh, boy. Poor, poor Blade. <laughs> he just saw his life flash before his eyes. <laughs> I'm curious to see what their baby would be like, though. Mm. Would it be infected? I don't... That's my question. Was the only reason that she could get pregnant, was it because that he was slowly becoming more human? Mm. Like, can mm. blue bloods impregnate humans? Good question. Good question. I was a little curious about that one. So that's why I would really like to read something in their perspective once the baby does come along. Um, I think it would be really interesting to read and see how that happened and like also is there differences with the baby versus like I don't know like a half hybrid vampire slash human baby and a regular human baby like what are the differences or is he or she human I think your reasoning is correct in the sense that I think it's only possible because he's been drinking her vaccinated blood Because Mm -hmm. otherwise, you look at the echelon and they have to infect their kids in like the Dukes. They have to infect their kids, force it if if they need, because otherwise they're not born that way. They're not born that way. And so I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I, I wonder. I hope we'll see this child. But then what happens? Yeah. What happens when everyone's infected? You know, like, for example, say if, like, there's a duke, right? He's an old man. He had a kid before the virus. Um, let's say his kid had a kid. Yeah. So he has a grandchild. He infected his grown son. Mm-hmm. And then his son grows up and infects his grandchild. And, like, does the line end there? Or what happens then? The line does end there. That's why I think that's why they have to infect, to keep on infecting, like, because if, if someone's infected and not, I don't know. I'm confused. Because, like, yeah, if the line ends, do yeah. they just infect someone that isn't part of their bloodline? No, I guess it just ends there. Because why would you infect someone that's not part of your bloodline? It won't give you anything. <laughs> well, then that's the end of their line. Yeah, I guess. But they're immortal, pretty much, kind of, until they, you know, become fully vampire. <laughs> so that's true. So if anything... They're going to live a very long time. <laughs> yeah, so that means a line can keep going, if you think about it. In the sense where, like, you know, you won't infect your kid, like, right, like, as soon as they, like, reach 20, right? Like, you can keep going and then infect your kid maybe, like, around 30, 35, 40 even, and they've already probably produced heirs. And then it, that continues on, maybe. Because they didn't say anything about thralls getting pregnant. 
Yeah, I don't think they can. I'm curious because the last book in this series is um, Leo and the lady. What's her name? You don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Cassandra. Cassandra. Yes. No. Yes, Cassandra. Okay. So, and they're both blue bloods. So I wonder. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe by that point, Blade and Honor will have their child. So maybe we'll have answers on that front. I don't know, but it's interesting. I'm I'm curious now yeah. that you've said that. I hadn't thought about that actually. <laughs> so thanks. I guess. No, I was curious as well. I mean, I don't know. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But I am curious to see, because um, I feel like now in this book we got more information on the humanists and like what they stand for. Um, obviously, there's there's two extremes. There's the one there the group of people that want equality between humans and blue bloods. But then there's the also the other the other side basically that just want to destroy the blue bloods um so i think it's really interesting that we got to see that side of things as well and we find out well i think we already knew that honoria and lena and charlie's dad was part of like the humanist group i don't think we did i think we find out in this book yeah i think so oh we knew in the last book that he had found a cure and you know we all we knew all that but i think the humanist thing was in this book okay but yeah because like he also built um he built things for them, though. And I feel like they, I feel like Honor did mention something. I don't know. It was, it's a little vague. But anyways, it was really interesting that we got to see that side of things. And then we got to meet. So basically, it's run by this, I guess, this person called Mercury. But in this book, you find out that Mercury is actually three people. How did you feel about that? I thought it was really interesting because yeah. Mercury now stands for an idea instead of a person. Yeah. I thought he was really intelligent, like, because she was like, oh, I'm Mercury. No, wait, I'm like, well, I mean, didn't go down that way. But like, she was like, oh, you're Mercury. And it's like, we're all Mercury. I was like, "Mm, okay. Yeah. I'm also intrigued with, so basically the one we spend the most time with is Rosalind. I'm excited and intrigued about her and Jasper, which we we know he's. They're the next book. Yeah, they're the next book. And then the other girl gets a book in the uh, spinoff, I believe. So basically, um, the book ended with um, you finding out Jack, who was also part of the Mercury idea, um, that he was in charge of basically bombing up the echelon. I don't know. We It's unclear if like people died or who died or um, basically what had happened, but at that ball um they were signing the treaty that would be between the echelon and the scandinavian clan um and basically it was sabotaged but it actually wasn't because you find out later on that will will be the in-between between the echelon and the scandinavian group but anyways what had happened was colchester which is all is that how you say it fuck that douche yeah <laughs> colchester he is an asshole um he's a psycho he basically had attacked lena sometime in book one we don't know when um but anyways he attacked her on the street and literally you know drank her blood without her consent upon her pretty much i mean not not sexually but like pretty much and then yeah he took her her blood against her will yeah and we obviously know what the mixture of his saliva with like her blood it causes you know sexual urges exactly. so in a sense he did rape her yeah. um obviously like i don't think he physically you know raped her it was more of like you no know, he didn't he didn't physically do it but he mentally it was a mental rape if anything like he forced yeah. 
this upon her knowing what it would cause and because of that she's left with I think feelings that are very relatable you know Mm -hmm. especially as women when you know you experience something like that or whether it's you know sexual harassment sexual assault whatever it may be there's always a part of you that wonders like did I do something to cause it or whatnot and yeah and even I saw I read an article years and years ago um about how women some women experience orgasm during rape yeah no I that is a common thing I've read that too and it fucks up people because it's like I had an orgasm therefore I liked it but it's like but I didn't you know Mm -hmm. so it's it's this fascinating thing and it's no different here like he forced something upon her that she didn't want and now she's left wondering like but I Mm -hmm. liked it am I crazy for this am I disgusting like why would I feel that way I didn't want it and yet you know so I just think that was that's a really real and relatable thing that uh, Beck Mm -hmm. McMaster put in this book that I kind of appreciate honestly and I think it also brings back to like their idea and their views like the echelon's views on women and human women basically um Women have to wear gloves, you know, to cover their wrist and also wear a necklace to cover their throat to show show that they aren't searching because if they don't have that on, they think that they're free game. And, you know, it's like, I guess I I hate this, I hate the saying that they asked for it, basically. Um, So, yeah, I love that Beck McMaster included, it's not really a metaphor, but like this connection, this relation between these two ideas because they are pretty similar. Like, it's basically the same idea. And, yeah, it's just, like, I hate the, that idea that if you aren't covered the right way or you're not wearing the right things that you're asking for it. And, like, this really – this book really highlighted that idea. And, like, they even highlighted it with her friend Adele, who constantly got attacked as well, um, yeah, by the men of the echelon because they think human women are nothing and that they are free game. Yeah, Adele's story was heartbreaking to see because – I kind of thought of it as she's the forgotten woman in fiction. She's the side, you know, because you get the heroine who lives a terrible life in these books anyway. I mean, in the sense that they're put in a very hard situation, but they have the hero that's going to save them and they're going to save themselves and have a better life for it. Whereas Adele is kind of that woman that's forgotten on the side and you don't really know know. if she's ever going to pull through. There's no one there for her. She has no others you know she has no what's the word I'm looking for she has no prospect of you know find like she has no prospects for a thrall not for becoming a thrall too like what that made no sense English (laughs) she's at a last resort (laughs) exactly but like her last resort is sad you know yeah her last resort is this old man that basically is really close to becoming a vampire and beats kills his thralls and she's like, well, that's better. That's better than than some of the, you know, other situations I could get myself into. Like, that is so sad. I'm so glad she gets a book in the spinoff because... She does? She does. Because I was like, if, they, uh, if she leaves her that way... Yeah, because by the end of this book, you don't even know what happens to her. And I was, like, trying to make sure, like, to find out what happened to her. Because I, I honestly got invested in her story. And I think... You know, like you said, she couldn't, she had no savior and she couldn't really save herself. She's a, she was in a tough situation and yeah, it's like that world is so hard to live in. And I, 
it also mimics the whole idea of like the London ton, which I think that's obviously the purpose of it. And it's just like so many women get stuck in situations that they can't get out of because of compromising situations. And Adele was in caught, like was caught in a few and obviously she got saved by Will and by others in some situations, but like, yeah, her prospects, she had none and her situation was dire. And obviously we knew that, Lena wanted to open up a home for women, but we don't even see that come into play because of, you know, her change and everything that happened. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm curious to read her book now. I didn't even know she got a spinoff. Yeah. And especially because we always see that, especially in the historical romance, where not only is it, you know, society is sort of a, a monster in a way where, you know, you have barely any rights as a woman, you have very little options in life other than marrying and, you know, belonging to another man, going from one man to another. And I think that oftentimes in the historical romance, you kind of don't have that side character that reminds you of that because the heroine, you know, she's going to pull through, you know, she's going to get into a better situation. But it's like, what about all the other women that don't you know when someone gets compromised it's like well what about all the other women you know Mm -hmm. like they don't get the happily ever after and I I thought it was just really interesting to have Adele there living that reality and like in the book like she's right there and you know like it's dire you know yeah she's not getting the happy ever after for now (laughs) yeah no because like you said I feel like um, in those times and in many other countries as well, even presently, there's so there's so many women that are stuck in their situation and they obviously can't get out of it. We always read the situations where like they're the exception to that rule. We always read that they fall in love with either their arranged marriage counterpart or the person that compromised them or just, you know, they fall in love and they have the happily ever after. Or the villain turns soft. And the truth is the villain doesn't always turn soft. Most yeah. of the time in reality, it doesn't. So you know, yeah. that, that too is like, that's a fantasy. And, and you have like the heroine of the book that's living the fantasy. And as readers, we fully admit that it is a fantasy and probably would never happen in real life whatsoever. You know, like, let's not kid ourselves into thinking that women in the 1800s were living that life, you know, like, that's just not true. Yeah. But, but I just think that back then, most women were adults. They were adults. They had to settle for the quickest, safest option as opposed yeah. to the happiest one. But I'm happy that she does get a story. Yeah. But I mean, and I, hopefully happily ever after, but I mean, I'm pretty sure it is. But yeah. a lot of women don't ever get that happily ever after. I'm really, I kind of want to jump to her book now and just read it, but I don't know it's, if I can do that. <laughs> you know, you remind re- reminded me of something when you said that Lena wanted to open a school for women or like a home for women. Yeah. That's just like Beast of Besic. Like this yeah. is kind of a running theme of like these women, especially because it's the same era. Like they both. What was the name of that heroine? Amelia? No. Amelia. No, nope, that's the author's name. No. Nope. Astrid, was it? Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's just like, because Astrid and Lena both sort of come from the same time period, I would imagine. Yeah, different worlds, different realms, but yeah. Well, yes, but I mean, like, it's roughly based on the same time period of London, I I think. Yeah, Um, no, it is. And both women are put into a situation where they have kind of a, like, a last resort. Like, Lena goes to London in part because, sure... 
she had this thing with, for Will that he wasn't like res- reciprocating, reciprocating, reciprocating. Well, I can't say that word. <laughs> she had that thing with Will, and he, like he didn't want her in return, or so she thought. Um, but also part of why she went to part of why she went to London is because she thought, well, that's all I have left. Like she kind of felt like she was too much, too much of a weight or whatnot, and so she was like, well, I'll go to London, I guess, and become a thrall because that's what everyone does and like she didn't really want it she just thought that was what was left for her you know and that was her life before Whitechapel and she thought why not return to it because it did make her happy before but now her needs and her life has changed and like yeah it was just trying to fit back in yeah and Astrid is also put into the situation where she has to go to a man for marriage and in the end they both want to open open homes for 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 these women that just don't have a possibility that just Mm -hmm. and I think that's kind of great yeah and I I'm thinking we're probably going to get to see that home later on in the series um with at least Adele um but yeah and I don't know I just I, I thought Lena was a great character I really liked her and I wasn't too keen on her in book one I didn't I didn't think I liked her at all in book one really she was younger she was a little immature in that well would I say immature immature but not in the way that it's like annoying immature in the same in the way that she was younger she was going through things of her own Mm -hmm. in a way that you know teenagers would so but also we didn't know in book one she was going through dealing with what Colchester Colchester did. did to her yeah yeah, that's that's yeah, true. and we didn't know that. We just thought she was acting out as like an annoying teenage sister, but in reality, she didn't want to burden her sister Honor with what happened to her because Honor obviously was going through her own thing. And then I also feel like I don't know. I'm pretty sure Lana talked about it, but she also was hating on Honor for choosing to be with a blue blood, and like you know, because she doesn't. I feel like once you get attacked, you don't really realize that you know people are different, and you know they're not all evil. Um, but yeah, I just feel like she was dealing with so much at such a young age. And of course, you know, there's backlash. And she was doing it in silence because at the time her sister just didn't know how to communicate, which is so real, (laughs) so real and true. So Uh, real. We talked about it in that one as well, that episode, but I liked their, the portrayal of a sisterly relationship. It was very real. I loved... Lena's journey of empowerment in the sense that she feels weak in Colchester's presence like she feels like she couldn't defend herself and the truth is she couldn't because he's blue blood and she isn't but yeah I I I thought it was so relatable how she feels little she feels small when he's around like she couldn't save herself yeah which I think as women we've all felt that way before where it's like well what if I you know because we don't we're not born with fighting skills you know what I mean like that's why a lot of women take self-defense classes because it's like Mm -hmm. I'm tired of feeling weak and afraid when I go out at night you know or if a man approaches me in a way that makes me really uncomfortable like what do I do you know yeah And, and then she's turned into a werewolfin and I loved how immediately she's like I am strong now 
I yeah. am powerful now and I will kick his ass. Like I love yeah. how suddenly she was given the skills and the strength to go against him and she wasn't afraid anymore. Yeah, because she even like discovered her strength, you know, obviously when she first woke up and she was trying to get to Will. But as soon as she pushed that table aside, she's like, oh, wait. I'm strong enough. Like, she wasn't even thinking about Will in that moment. She was just thinking about, I'm strong enough to, you know, take on my attacker. Yeah. She wasn't like, oh, I'll let Will do it or I'll let him help me. It was like, oh, I can do it myself now. Mm -hmm. Just watch me, Colchester. I'm coming for you. (laughs) (laughs) And she did. Yes, she did. I don't know why Southern accent just came out. Okay. No, I was just going to talk to you about, like, the idea of, like, you know, the blood taxes and, like, how they kept increasing. Yeah. Um, so, basically, um, they were supposed to be um, giving, was it one pint or two pints? I believe it's one. One. And then it jumped to two pints. Yeah. Um, yeah. And because of um, the draining facility getting ruined um, by the humanists, um, so the humans were um, told they have to give more blood than they're used to. Um, yeah. What were your thoughts about that? Because, like, it was just hard. You can't, like, two pints is a lot. (laughs) I think it's very on point for extremists to, in order to get their message through, they will hurt the people that they're trying to to help. Mm -hmm. Like, they have no mercy for that. Like, I think that's the kind of just fucked up thinking that extremists have like I'll hurt people to get what I want it's just what are you trying to do Um, like there's some collateral damage but at the end of the day we're fighting yeah I get what what I want want. it's fine you know and and that's just fucked up but so I thought that was really interesting that she kind of breaches that subject in this book which again is not like a subject that I see very often especially not in romance I feel yeah because it's something we see and live in real life like it's you know that idea of like things increasing or like things being taken away from you it's something that we experience in real life to I guess reach a a greater goal or like something that you know that ultimately we don't want but we have to pay the price for Mm-hmm. And like, not only did you kill these people, but now the same people are, are suffering, needing to give more blood because of what you did. And two, like mm-hmm. the fact that Lena got wrapped up into it was really interesting, how she kind of fell into it and then didn't really know how to get out of it. Yeah, that was that was an interesting, an interesting plot point for sure. And like, I, I liked how there wasn't like a there wasn't a specific villain in this book there was the mercury thing with the extremists but there was also colchester and i don't know it was kind of interesting i liked how you had like two storylines going at the same time with two different villains um i i i I was reading a few reviews and there's some people that were like oh there's too much going on in this book um and i can see why but yeah, I can see why as well. That didn't bother me. Like personally, it kept me invest- invested because I don't know. Like I was wondering, like, oh, okay, well, what happens with Colchester now that you know we're not with Mercury? Like Colchester is yeah. still very much an issue. Yeah. Um, for me, I think I saw it more as like, yeah, you know, there's Colchester. Yeah, there's a humanist in Mercury, but Lana and Will had a lot to deal with themselves, and they had a lot. Like they were the 
they're their own villains, basically. They caused their own issues in their own relationship, and they had a lot to deal with. So as, like, for it not having a main big villain that, you know, they had to defeat, it was more or less they had to defeat the villain they created themselves. Hmm. That's how I saw it. So I didn't think that, like, yeah, there's a lot going on, but I think a lot of it was set up to be dealt with in later books. Um, but I focused more on, like, the villain being themselves. Interesting. Which I feel like now we can get into the monster of the story if you're ready. No. Oh, I'm you're not, not ready. ready. Okay. <laughs> what did you think? Because, again, this is something we talked about in the last episode, so I just want to get back to it real quick. Okay. What did you think of the relationship between Leo and Lena in this book? And how I thought, how I see it, I think it's interesting how essentially he's sort of growing to care for these people he obviously cares about lena he took care of her but he also is still under that like blanket that safety blanket of state like status like he's not ready to shed it yet yeah and i'm i'm curious to see if he ever will i'm hoping that's like a plot point in this book because i do think for character development it's important that eventually it is understands like status and station is not that important my family comes first but if you think about it in the end of the book he knew who killed colchester he knew it was will he knew lena was there as well and he knew in the last book so he protected them he protected his sister and the man that she loved so i think slowly but surely i think he will make that switch he will put his family first he will make it known that he is their brother because Mm -hmm. in this book i felt like he did take on a more brotherly role instead of it being more of a ward and guardian relationship between them. Lena and him, but I think, still kind of is in the to the the, the public. Yeah, only only in private do they have that relationship. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, he is afraid of losing that power that he holds in society. And I feel like any man that has grown or women that has grown up in that position of power, it's scary to lose it. Yeah. So I'm curious to see what his book will be like because he is already protecting his siblings. So I guess now we can go into who is the monster in this story because I think that's a pretty good lead-in with power (laughs) and men. (laughs) And men holding on to power for dear life. Yeah. Well, for me, um, as we said, like society is a big issue and I feel like that was more or less the monster for Will because we know already, um, you know, he basically didn't want to be with Lena. Not that he didn't want to, but he couldn't be with Lena because of everything that was going on in society. Like, you know, he's viewed as a lesser being. He's viewed as an animal. He was sold by his mother, locked up in a cage because of his mother, because of how society viewed the werewolf. And yeah, he was shunned by all society because of who he was. And he didn't want... Um, Lena to do the same. So that allowed him to sabotage the relationship he was building with Lena because he just wasn't viewed as a man in the echelon. Yeah, and and I mean, I don't want to be repetitive, but like I said, power, men, that whole yeah. thing is pretty obvious. You know, you, you it was pretty obvious in the first book, and I think it's pretty obvious in this one, but I think Beck McMaster is sort of playing what that that idea here in interesting ways, especially with Blade and, and yeah. his relation to power or 
and and not power necessarily necessarily in in the sense of status which now he does have but in the sense of of actually powerful like being strong (laughs) yeah um yeah I don't like do you have any other ideas I think also like I think I talked about it about um Lena and Will being their own monster yeah and being their own villain and them causing the relationship to not progress forward I think it was like Will not letting himself being seen as a man He lived up to the idea that he is the beast. He is the beast of Whitechapel. And he owned that idea and, like, didn't want to break out of it. And, um, yeah, and Lena, I have a quote. She um, tells Will as she's, like, calling him out on his bullshit and telling him, you need to let them see you as something more because you are more. You are better than what they tell you you are. And then she tells him, take my lessons, she whispered. Use them to be who you want to be. Force the echelon to look you in the eye. Dare them to treat you as a man, a dangerous man if need be, but not, not an animal. And like, I think he needed to do that. And by the end of the book, he's progressed. He has went through that journey of, you know, slowly seeing himself as more. And in the end, we find out that he becomes the in-between and he becomes a man of status in a sense. He had to change his ways. And like, I loved it. I loved that he built a name for himself. Because the truth is that he grew up in a cage, but then when he was so out of sad. the cage, he still had a cage around himself that he put yeah. there himself. And yeah. then he had to break out of that, and Lena was the key in many ways. She let him out of mm-hmm. that. But he, he had to take the step. Like, that, that, that was the important thing. He had to be the one to step outside of it. Um what did you think of of the fact that he was more or less forced into the position of uh, ambassador between the two <laughs> races, I um, guess? I think it was a push that needed to happen because, like he said, it wasn't a an idea he had for himself. It wasn't something he ever dreamed of doing. Yeah. But once he thought about it, he realized, you know what? You know, it's, an, it's a good idea. There was actually no one else that would fight for his species the way he would have in the echelon because no one you know knew the struggle of being a werewolf in and yeah he was the best man for it and I like that he recognized that despite it not being his choice but I think at first he was doing it more for other people and mostly just to save his family as in Blade and everyone else he wasn't doing it for him for himself really Mm -hmm. and then towards the end it, it there is a shift where it was like well maybe I'm doing this too for Lena and I for us to mm-hmm. have yeah a life together that's peaceful and where we don't feel like we might just be thrown into cages again you know so did you like his proposal <laughs> what was it again he literally just um as soon as she's like yeah you are the best choice to be the ambassador or like the in-between man between the echelon and the Scandinavian clan he just turns around and he's like, well, I'm old fashioned, so you better marry me or something like that. <laughs> and then she's like, absolutely. I mean, but, yeah. rash to the point, a little growly. It's just, it's exactly him. It's, I wouldn't expect any other proposal from him. Yeah, exactly. And okay, I can't believe we totally skirted over um, how horny this book was. Very horny. Like the sensual, sensual, whoa. The sexual tension was yeah. so strong in this book. Oh, I was yeah. dying. Oh, yeah. We can get into that now if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, he gave Lena 
the female equivalent of blue balls so many times. <laughs> so many times. Amazing. Like, what is it called? What is the um, female blue balls called? I don't know. Lady blue balls? <laughs> Let me search this up. I knew. I know there's a term. Blue balls. Okay, my <laughs> FBI person is going to be like, what the heck is this person searching up? What are you searching? It's called, <laughs> are you ready for it? Yeah. A clam jam. Lady Blue Balls now just sounds like a lady of blue balls. Well, you say clam jam then. I'm not going to say it. I'm just saying that he left her. Clam jam. I was going to say high and dry, but we know (laughs) Lena was not high and dry. (laughs) He left her clam jammed. (laughs) Maybe we should title the episode that. Clam jam. (laughs) Clam jam. Or lady of blue balls. Oh, God. Um... (laughs) Anywho, the scene on the bed where she actually gets infected was pretty hot. It was. She took control. And then they had sex for days when they actually finally had sex. It reminded me of, like, the sex in Twilight. You know, when, like, Bella and Edward couldn't leave the house. I don't want to break you. You can't. (laughs) (laughs) And then Emmett and Rosalie broke houses. And I'm like. Yeah. This is what the sex I this is the sex I envision. Listen, I know I go on and on and on about vampires, but the truth is the ones that have the best sex, the horniest sex, the most intense sex, is always, always the werewolves. Like, always, come on. They have these like moon urges or heats. I thought Lena was going into a heat at some point, but then not. It didn't happen, but I really thought, and I was getting excited for that. I was like, oh my god, do we have heats in these books? Oh, when <laughs> she was, so like, feeling feverish? Yeah. When we didn't know she was going through the change yet? Yeah. yeah. No, when, I think it was after she'd gone through it, or was it before? Oh, you know, you might be right, it was before. Before she actually went through it, but you suspected that, that that's what was happening at that point. Will and Lena were just too horny, though. Because I remember in the end, she was also feeling, like, hot. And, like, she needed, you know, some good yeah. dicking, dicking down, lack of a better word. <laughs> <laughs> and she literally, like, took off her clothes in the carriage. I'm like, girl! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No. But I mean, like, let's be honest. If you were mated to Will, I think you'd be taking your clothes off. Oh, heck yeah. All the time. Will Carver, people. Will was so hot. I liked Blade, but Will. <laughs> yeah, I think if I had to choose, if we were rating these men, which we're obviously not, um, I like Will better. Because it's like, okay, the, the sex between Blade and Honor was fine. Like, what's cool about it, it is, is when he drinks her blood. Like, that's hot. That's always hot, obviously. I know. But there's something about this sex that was just a little different and a little better. <laughs> it just tickled my fancy a little bit more, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, it honestly, yeah, this book did real read more horny. But I feel like... <laughs> I love how you say 
is this? Should I put my more horny? I'm trying to be with serious here face. and critical, okay, all right? Be, talk about being horny with a straight face. I'm, I'll, I'll just listen. <laughs> what I was getting at before you rudely interrupted me about my seriousness about being horny, I was saying that Beck McMaster can write good sexual tension. Oh, yeah. Like, and even in book one, like, their scenes were so hot. And I love that she has to include at least one scene when the males are being tutored by their female. And, like, yeah. she makes it the most horny scene in this world. Like, when Lena was teaching him how to, like, eat a grape or something. No, a cherry. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, I was dying. I was like, oh, oh, this is so hot. And then even in book one, when, like, the, he's teaching, no, she's teaching him his Words. letters. Yeah. And, like, oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she does a good sexual She's tension good scene. at the buildup. She doesn't give you too much too quick. She knows exactly how much to give you throughout the story until you get to the to the grand finale of all finales, um, the climax of the story, literally put. Um, yes. And, and then she delivers. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> that was the fakest laugh. <laughs> My pu- my puns are not funny. What's funny is that when I'm editing these episodes, no, 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 it was funny. Sometimes that was me remarking puns. upon your pun. It was unfunny, but when I'm editing these episodes, what's funny is that sometimes I find puns that Seth has said that I completely like did not even register. And then I know, and then I'm editing. You don't react to them, and when I listen back to the episodes, I'm like, damn, that was a good pun. You didn't. <laughs> You didn't respond. <laughs> I'm trying to be more aware. <laughs> okay. Your puns just go five foot over my head. I'm sorry. They're not They're funny. funny. My puns no, usually are, are not. Funny. <laughs> they sometimes are funny, but sometimes they are not. <laughs> you get it? You know, he's a werewolf and then there's, yeah. you know. Anyways. No knots in this box. In this gave book. me, I know, no knots. Sadly, now we're we're just gonna be disappointed now. Whenever there's no knots in a werewolf, <laughs> I'm just getting off topic now. I'm just like trying to like talk about knots and knotting. Let's not. <laughs> Stop. We're going down a dead end. <laughs> okay, let's just let's end this because I feel like I don't even know where I'm going. Um, oh. Yes. I mean, I don't know. This is a new point. I'm just all over the place today. But when, um, <laughs> when well, well, why can't you say Why do you keep saying that? <laughs> well. Okay. When Will kept talking about his past and, like, being, like, locked in a cage and. Yeah. I don't know why I'm laughing. <laughs> this is such a turn. <laughs> like, such a shift. We went from knots and and clam jam to will in his cage <laughs> i know i think that's why i'm laughing but you can like figure out where it needs to go <laughs> anyway 160 180 okay. i don't know okay let me restart over <laughs> restart over are we drunk <laughs> Going now. Oh no, my throat. This lemon and ginger did not work. 
when Will kept talking about, like, what he went through in, a ch- in his childhood with, you know, being locked in a cage, constantly being, like, used for entertainment, it, like, kind yeah. of made me think about Kev, like, Mary Pin in um, Lisa <gasps> Claypass's Hathaway series. Oh, wow. That's very far in my brain. But, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Seduce Me at Sunrise. That yeah. was his book, right? Uh, um, yeah. yeah, it just made me think about, like, obviously what he was w- going through. And, like, it just, like, it really hurt. So I was, like, he kind of reminded me of Kev. And Kev was kind of, like, I believe he was my favorite. I don't really I remember he... now because I haven't read the Hathaway series in so long. But I loved Kev. I feel like I remember you saying Kev was your favorite back in the day. But that could have changed. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, it's just, like, I don't know. I just thought it was a little, little tidbit that I picked up on. And I was, like, mm-hmm. man. These men been through so much and like Yeah. Yeah. Plus Kev Kev was also very big, very strong and very tortured and like always mm-hmm. ready to pick a fight, which is exactly yeah. Will. <laughs> and he didn't believe he was worthy of love and because um oh my gosh, what's this girl's name? Helen? Uh, no. Helena? No. Shit. Uh <laughs> isn't it like it starts with W. When Winnie? Winnie Winifred. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's a guy's name. <laughs> when you're right. Her name is Win. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I feel like this episode is going down the drain. <laughs> it's like so many <laughs> You're laughing like an old man because I need to get this cough out. <laughs> I feel like it started off great and now it just it's burning (laughs) it's trash (laughs) okay anyways can I (laughs) that's all I needed to say but like yeah like you said can I re can I restart and redo this whole no unless you have anything to add no I was just talking about like how it's a similar situation in the sense where he was scared to be with Wynn Kev because, you know, she was sick. She had to deal with, like, a lot of things. And, like, because of, like, the sickness that she went through, she was a lot weaker. And it's similar in the sense where Will couldn't be with Lena because of, you know, who he was. He was too strong and also he had the virus going. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, they had so much situations. And I thought that was really interesting. That's very true. But, yeah, that's literally all I wanted to talk about. And I couldn't get it through, get it out in, like, a minute. <laughs> It took 10 minutes to get to this point. <laughs> uh, I feel like I had... Oh! Okay, the last thing I want to say. Mm-hmm. I'm really sad that the girl, Verwolfen, the one with the Scandinavians, the princess, that she's Astrid? not getting a book. She didn't get a book? She doesn't get a book. And I'm like, she's I'm very sad. present. Like, it's one thing wanting a spin-off series with that side of the world but like her she was so present in this book and she wanted a mate like why I honestly thought she would have gotten a book she was in it for so much of it and I love the I love that she wasn't like after Will and willing to sabotage anything to get him yeah. like she did acknowledge he was a hot man and she was like mm, sure. if he wasn't made it already I, mean, we I would, would want him <laughs> but like she left it at that yeah I love that she wasn't, like, a bitch. <laughs> no, because she respected the sanctity of mate bonds, you know? Yeah. She, she I'm so res- mad she didn't get a book. 
Yeah, I know. Because she wanted a mate. So maybe, maybe, maybe one day. Maybe one day. Are we, is the chaos done? <laughs> um, I think so. I mean, like, I feel like at this point, let's just end it. Oh, we didn't ask. Oh. Would you survive in this world or would you want to be living in it? Nah. No, same. Nah. I don't like the idea of just, like, being someone's blood thrall. Oh, yeah. I mean, mm. but <laughs> if it's if it's Blade, yes. If it's Blade, sure, but, like, it's not going to be Blade. It's going to be one of those old, smelly, old, like, nasty. We'd be a Dal in this book. That's the, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so in that case, no. No. <laughs> No, no. But if I ended up in Scandinavia or another oh. country where I could possibly get a werewolf man, yes. They don't have thralls, though. So you they have don't. To be a they maid, have mates. But would the maid have to be werewolf, too? But if I survive through the change, unless I'm already born a, a werewolf in. That doesn't exist, though. Is it? Does it? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think... No, no, no. I think they can have children. You think? So, the the two viruses are different, but it's not. She doesn't go into detail really about how different they are, how they operate yeah. differently. So I'm not sure. Like, can you be cured of that virus the same way that you can be cured of uh, the blue blood virus? I think like the characters. I think um, Beck McMaster's keeping everyone in the dark because like mm-hmm. Lena is not Lena. Sorry, Honor is trying to find a cure. She does take Will's blood to test it, to figure out things, components yeah, oh, of the blood, true. you know, things like that. So maybe later on in the series, you realize maybe there could be a cure. Maybe there isn't ever going to be a cure. You don't know. Now, okay, question. Now that Lena and Will are both werewolfen, do you think that if there were a cure, that they would take it? Or do you think they would stay as they are? Um, I think Will would be more inclined to take it but now that he has Lena I don't think so and Lena I don't see her taking the cure Lena Lena is fine in this new stage she's like I'm living the yeah life. she's thriving yeah as a yeah. as uh, you know hmm. a variable thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> are you laughing at me saying variable thing yeah <laughs> and complete confidence and here you are laughing I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) I could see the struggle in your eyes as you said it (laughs) anyways I think we're ready to end this episode do you think they would take it oh um no I don't think they would before her he would have I think He's not, because the difference between Blade and him is that Blade is holding on to that, to what it means to be a vampire or a blue blood, I guess. Will is not. Absolutely not. Like you said, like, he never considered himself a man. Like, he considers himself below that, which is not something that Blade ever did. And so, to me, I think he would never hold on to that. But he he would hold on to it because Lena is too now. Yeah, and I think he's learned to love who he is. Yeah, exactly. So now, yes, but before he would have taken it. But, you know, I was curious. You know how Lena also had taken the cure, the vaccine? So, I mean, that's only in regards to the craving virus, not the loop virus. Yeah, yeah. 
like I wonder if that held any like any factor in her change like do you think that made her more immune to it does that do you think that pushed her through and made her you know fully become a loop because remember she she literally was gonna die Um, I have no idea so I don't know I don't know if that held any any importance to what happened to her or if in the future it had it has something to do with the events later on I, I don't know I guess we'll have to wait and see because she has been you know slowly giving us more information about the the virus and, and how it works and the vaccine especially the cure mm-hmm. so I'm curious maybe she'll answer that question eventually me too I'm curious have you read any more of the series nope uh well I read the Rip and Esme novella Esme? but that's it mm-hmm. I haven't gone to book three yet Hmm. Okay. I'm curious then. Soon, perhaps. I'm curious. All right. So this is it for this week. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Romance and the Monsters on Heart of Iron by Beck McMaster. Next week, we're going back to the Immortals After Dark. So get on it if you want to read it with <laughs> us. Um, you can find us on social media. Um, on Twitter, we are the rtm pod on instagram we're a romance of the monsters podcast and you can also email us if you want to um at romance of the monsters podcast at gmail.com and you can find me on both twitter and instagram as foes and lovers <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me seth on instagram and twitter at pros with woes and if you liked this episode or any episodes prior to this um, you can like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Well, basically, Anywhere any of the uh, platforms we're on. <laughs> there you go. Any of the platforms. Please leave us a review. Um, yeah, we would really appreciate it. And that's, that's it. <laughs> Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.